Once again, Thanksgiving is over in the United States, and next thing you know, it's Advent. But for the rest of the world, it's already Christmas. But that is so wrong. Advent is a time of anticipation. It's a time for preparation, for cleaning house, for tidying up, for silence, even for fasting. When we fast, we get rid of all the things that get in the way. We get rid of all the things that are not essential so we can focus on the things that are essential. But that's the problem with this whole Christmas right after Thanksgiving phenomenon. We fast so that we can enjoy the feast. But how can we enjoy the feast if we've taken away the fast? So this Advent, take time for silence. Turn the radio off and turn the podcast off after this show is over, of course. Take the time to fast from food if you want, but from those things that are not necessary. And you will find that four weeks from now, you'll be much better prepared to enjoy the feast. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello, and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. I'm Emily Callen. I'm Billy Chan. And we are here. Guys, it's the first week of Advent. I know. Advent is I'm upon us. I'm so new happy. Year. I'm really happy. New Year. New yes, year. That's true. New Year. I know. Yeah. Nobody thinks about the New Year with Advent, no. except Billy. <laughs> Thanks for Billy. Advent. I don't know. It always seems like it comes so fast. Like, you, you know it's coming for, like, three months, and then all of a sudden it's here, and the next thing you know, it's done. Yeah, you're right. Usually I feel the same way too, but I, I, I feel like I've been waiting for Advent or Christmas to come along for a really long time. Yeah. You're just waiting for Christmas, right? I just, no, I just, it's my favorite season. <laughs> Advent? Right. Right. Advent. Advent oh, is really? your favorite season? It is. Why? Um, I think because I, I mean, who likes to wait? I know. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I, 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 I like the idea of this period of waiting, right? Like you're expecting yeah. the Lord to come into your life in a new way. And you, you know, and anticipation. You and so yeah. there's like this excitement Good. and you're thinking, okay, well, I'm expecting great things to happen. Great things to happen. I, I mean, thought you liked shopping though. I mean, no, actually, that's <laughs> I'm not expecting, it at all. <laughs> I'm expecting for people to write to us. Oh, okay. Of Radio course. at saltandlighttv.org, you know, mm-hmm. and, and to check our website because all our shows are there um, at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And Billy, you wanted to tell people about a gift that we have for them during the Advent. Yes, we made a uh, advent calendar. Okay. You know, it's not chocolate, okay? No, it's how does a- it work? It's actually online, southernitetv.org slash advent. Okay. And from starting uh, Sunday, yes. the first day of advent, every day there is something to prepare everyone okay, for Christmas. Okay, how exciting. That's good to help Emily uh, with her expectation preparing. Yes. So, <laughs> so saltandlighttv.org slash advent, starting Sunday, first Sunday in Advent, there is a new treat, a new gift. Every day. Every day that people can go to the calendar and uh, click on it and... uh, Enjoy. Enjoy. Um, Today on the show, we have news today with Emily. We do. Three pieces of news. Three pieces of news that you're going to tell us all about. They're all very Advent-y. No. Well, no, I would not say that. No, no. One of them, maybe. They're from around the world. They're from around the world. news, Catholic news from around the world with Emily Callan coming up in, I don't know, like five minutes. And then after news, we will have Jillian who is now the mother of baby number six. Wow. Um, she's going to tell us what six she babies. learned from six her babies. children this month. Uh, yes. Uh, so she'll, she'll, she'll be here to tell us. I'm sure she's learned something about uh, uh-huh. her, new, her newborn baby has taught mm. her something. That's great. Uh, so that's right after the news. And then right after Jillian, Billy, you have a question. I have a question about Catholic Church. 
<laughs> That's pretty general. Okay, okay. good. <laughs> a question about the Catholic Church with Billy Chan and Church for Dummies. But the Catholic Church for Dummies, yeah. um, <laughs> that's coming up. And, okay, so qu- a question. Mm-hmm. North American Native Saints. Katerita Kakwitha. Kari- Katerita Kakwitha. Are there others? Yes. Come on. Are there others? Um, the Canadian Martyrs. They're not Native. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I want to well, say Brother Andrew. Okay, yeah, sorry, you're I want right. to say sorry, Brother Andrew, but... No, right. Native, no, no, Native, Native, Native American. So Native, Aboriginal, um, Indigenous. Uh, okay, so indigenous, um, indigenous. Oh, yes. Oh, Indi- no, no. Again, no. <laughs> okay. Now, as far as I know, Kateri Tekakwitha is the only That's female, only yeah, North American uh, Aboriginal or saint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then because Mexico is part of North America, Juan Diego is considered yes. a, 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 a native, and he's the first or the only North American male that has been canonized. But have you guys hmm. heard of black elk? No. Have you heard of Black Elk? Nicholas no. Black Elk. Okay. So he was a Lakota elder who became a well who, who became really well known after a book was published about him uh, called Black Elk Speaks. You you might have heard Black Elk. Um, he was cousin to uh, have you heard of the great war chief Crazy Horse from mm. South Dakota? Crazy Horse? No, okay. I really want to say yes. I really want to say yes. No, this yeah, no, terrible. that's okay. But but I think oh. maybe some of our listeners in the Midwest uh, from South Dakota actually have heard uh-huh. about Crazy Horse. They maybe have heard about Black Elk. Um, he spoke about American uh, Native American spirituality. But what a lot of people might not know, maybe some people do know, is that Black Elk converted to Catholicism in his 40s. Um, and the cause for his canonization has was introduced two years ago in 2016. Um, so that's kind of cool. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it is cool. So um, author uh, Damien Costello has written quite a bit about him, and he's going to be joining us in our second half hour to tell us more about this great Wonderful. Man. So that's we're going to learn about Very Nicholas Black Elk. That's going to be in about 25 minutes. And then at the end of the show, I love this because how many? Uh, I don't know. I, I think the story is probably more common than we think. Okay. Mm-hmm. We're going to be speaking with Amanda Vernon. She's, uh, if people listen to this program, they would have heard Amanda. She's been on the show a few times. She's a mm-hmm. singer-songwriter, very talented. She has a new Christmas album in Spanish, um, Secretos Navideños, which we will be listening to. But that's not the what I really want to talk to her about is because she just co-wrote a book with her old boyfriend, what? Matt Face. The book is titled When God Wrecks Your Romance, and that's because Matt is now... Father Matt. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> that's why. Oh. I mean, like, oh, that's super awkward. Like, okay, why would no. you? Why would you write a book with your own boyfriend? Okay, so so Father Matt. So Matt is now Father Matt, and Amanda, of course, she's happily married to someone else. She's got four kids, but they remain good friends. So Amanda, I would love to have had both of them on the show together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and maybe we can do that in the future. But but Amanda is going to tell us a little bit more about that story when God wrecks your romance. Isn't that a great title? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and I, I don't know, maybe you know people that have been in relationships and then... Yes, I have, actually. And then, have, actually, and then to go into the priesthood. find a vocation, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and I think a lot of priests that we know might say, you know, they had a girlfriend. Or women, right? Or women, women as well right, to go into the religious, into, life. Into the religious mm-hmm. life. So there you go. It's probably a common story. So that's coming up mm-hmm. uh, at the end of our program. Amanda Vernon is going to tell us about how God wrecked her romance, <laughs> her teenage romance. Um, but uh, let's listen to some music from her Christmas album, the Spanish Christmas album. Here is Amanda Vernon with Oven, Oven, Emmanuel. Uh-huh. Guess what song yeah, that yeah, is? Yeah, yes. okay, it's a good Advent <laughs> song. Um, Ocom Emmanuel from her new Christmas album, Secretos Navideños, which means Christmas Secrets. 
That was Amanda Vernon with Oven Oven Emanuel from her new Christmas album, Secretos Navideños. And we're going to be speaking with Amanda Vernon about uh, this album and about her new book, When God Wrecks Your <laughs> Marriage, in about 30 minutes. But first, here is uh, still Emily with our news. Yes. All right, Pedro. So it is Advent yes. beginning. And so I finally can speak about Christmas. Oh. <laughs> yes, I know. I know. I know. Uh, but so we're preparing Christmas, not Christmas. We're preparing. Yes. Sorry. Yes, yes, we're preparing. But it is now appropriate, I would yes. say, um, to talk about Christmas at the Vatican. Yes. Uh, so as you probably already know, and, and I'm sure some of our viewers, maybe most of our viewers know, but Christmas decorations at the Vatican uh, are always put up around this time of the year yes. and right now that's what's happening in St. Peter's Square yes. so um, there's always a, tr- a Christmas tree the Christmas tree arrived about a week and a half ago uh-huh. um, and with the Christmas tree there's also a nativity scene Okay. and this year do you know what the nativity scene is made out of? oh no it's going to be made out of stand out of sand. Sand. It's going to be a sand sculpture. So a what? life-size sand sculpture of the nativity. It's made with 700 tons of sand from this mountain region what? in northern Italy. I know. It's crazy. These How is it going to last all the way that's a good question. Technically, I'm not sure. I know they're building some kind of wood structure and there's all these workers right now that are, you know, making it happen. There's four artists who are well known for their sand sculptures in oh a little town God, called Gesolo in Italy. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, but uh, that's that's what's happening. 700 tons of sand are being dumped in the center of St. Peter's Square at the moment. <laughs> How cool. So I, I guess that they're starting to carve it. Exactly. Yeah. And so it'll, maybe it'll be ready for Christmas. It's going to be, they're going to put the final touches to it about two days before the big reveal, which is happening December 7th. So there's going to be this oh, official. That's next week. Ceremony. Exactly. So there's going to be this official lighting ceremony for the Christmas tree. And at the same yeah. time, okay. they're going to reveal the so structure. Then, so then uh, next show or the following yes. one, make sure you remind us and we'll we'll post some photos so people can, can Definitely. Uh, take a look at that. Definitely. That's awesome. So it's going to wow. be very cool to look a at. sand sculpture nativity. Yeah. Yeah, and it'll be there until January 13th. Wow. I think. Cool. Hopefully. Oh, wow. Okay, good. That's good news. Fun. Yeah. Okay, fun news. This not-so-fun news. Mm. Um, so the bishops in Central African Republic have invited people all over the world, uh, on obviously um, people or the faithful in Central African Republic, to yeah. uh, for a day of prayer. Actually, it was, it's it's something that's being done over two days this weekend, yes. so December 1st and 2nd. Um to remember or in memory of the victims of violence uh, of the Civil War, a civil war that right. started in 2012. And um, recently in November, there were about 60 people that were killed in, in actually what was a, a Catholic mission mm-hmm. um, sheltering displaced displaced people in right. Central African Republic. So um, so the, the archbishop, uh, who is uh, Zudanin Zapalenga, he was asking, uh, so he's asking the faithful and the, yes. and the bishops are asking the same thing for a day uh, for people to join them in a day of um, of mourning and then a day of lamentation and prayer so December 1st and 2nd exactly for people to pray yes. for the victims of now yeah. just remind me Central mm-hmm. African Republic that's where the Holy Father went to open one of the doors he did right? exactly he opened the first holy door during the yeah. year of mercy in Bangui in, which is the Bangui, capital yes. um, of Central African yes. Republic good that's okay so we'll remember the victims of that uh, those yes. deaths yes um, 
And and finally, so um, there's this new Orthodox cathedral that's being built. Uh, it's not quite done yet um, in Romania. So in the capital of Bucharest, 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 and it's it's a, it's a sand sculpture. It's <laughs> <laughs> no, it is not a sand. It's not made it's, out of sand. It is not made out of sand. But uh, essentially, there was a consecration ceremony that happened a week ago, and so a hundred Orthodox priests and. 30,000 faithful gathered for this consecration of this new uh, this new cathedral uh-huh. which is called um, the um, salvation of the of the Romanian nation okay so um, this was this is a ceremony that was presided by the patriarch of Constantinople Bartholomew okay. And the construction of the cathedral began in 2011, uh-huh. and it's not quite complete yet. And it measures 120 meters high. Oh, my goodness. It's gigantic on an 11-acre um, uh, land. Yeah. Um, and, it's, it, and it will be uh, able to host or to seat 5,000 people. Wow. Um, and it cost over 100 million euros. Wow. And people are estimating that it's probably going to be costing a lot more than that because I think they're expecting to be building a residence for the patriarch, some kind of Pool, other facility. I don't know. It's huge. And, <laughs> and believe it or not, it's now going to be considered the second biggest administrative building in the world after the Pentagon. Wow. Uh, so yeah, and Massive. in Romania, eighty percent of the population are Orthodox. Sort of Orthodox so. Christians. Yeah. Okay, thank you. So that's Bucharest. I'm sure people can also go and find. Out. Maybe we'll try to find images that we can yes. post on our website mm-hmm. as well. So thank you, Emily Callan. Emily, our uh, Salt and Light Hour news producer. You can follow her at Emmy Callan. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Daniel Oberreiter, lead singer of the Catholic rock band The Thirsting, and you are listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pig. If you missed any part of this program or to listen to any interview, again, go to saltandlighttv.org slash radio. All our programs are archived there. And now it's time for What I Learned from My Kids with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, welcome back to the program. Thank you so much. You've How been you? You've been busy this ma- month. I, yep, I have. I have a newborn baby in my arms right now. Yes. Hello, Leo. Welcome to the world. Yes. Thank you very much. So I am also bouncing up and down while I talk to you. So <laughs> it sounds like I'm jumping on a trampoline. I'm not. Just bouncing a baby. Okay, good, good. And he's asleep. So has he taught? Uh, has no, he taught not. you anything? Has he taught you anything? Or you've yes, learned something from your other children? Um, this is kind of maybe a collective lesson. Yeah. And maybe not so much even from my kids, but just a big flashing neon sign from God. Oh. So. Yes. So what I've been learning, and I guess it was through the birth of Leo, is that um, I can be assured that God is taking care of me, um, even though it may be in ways that I don't think, or maybe in ways that I didn't think were necessary or didn't want him to or that I hadn't controlled. (laughs) So, So God is looking after me, and maybe in the ways that I wasn't expecting. Um, And how that came about was the very day that Leo was born. Um, I last radio program, if anyone remembers, I spoke to you about yes. trying not to worry about waiting yes. in joyful anticipation of what yes. is to come. Yes. So I wouldn't say these things were worries. I say, say they were legitimate concerns. Some of my legitimate concerns were, where are my children going to go while I'm in the hospital having right. another baby? Yes. How are they going to get there? And will it take so long to distribute my children places that I'll end up birthing a child on the side of the road. So those are my <laughs> legitimate concerns. Yes. Um, but as it turned out, on the day that Leo was born, I dropped my girls off at 
uh, my parents-in-law, I was just going for a routine checkup, my regular doctor's appointment, for okay. her to look at me for two minutes and say, everything is fine, you haven't had a baby yet, come back next week. Right. Um, but instead, while I was there, in all of my years of having this doctor and all the babies that I've had, I've never seen her with a look of concern. But that day was the first time ever that I saw her look worried. Her brow furrowed, and she just it was not an expression I'd ever seen on her face before. She wasn't happy with the sound of the baby's heartbeat or lack thereof. She couldn't really hear him very well. Mm-hmm. And so she said to me, uh, I'm going to send you to the hospital for some tests. Mm-hmm. Now, I had left my girls at my parents-in-law saying, I'll be back in an hour. They had someplace else they needed to be, and I was I, my appointments had never been very long, so I was very confident, I'll see you in an hour to pick up the girls, everything will be fine. Yeah. But instead, now I'm heading to the hospital to have some tests. Now, when I get to the hospital, they say, this shouldn't take long, about 20 minutes, and you'll be on your way. Okay. Hmm. Four hours later, I was still in the hospital, still attached to machines, and feeling very annoyed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nothing was working out the way that they were supposed to that day. Um, I was stressing out a little bit about where my kids were. I couldn't get a hold of my parents-in-law. Their cell phones weren't on. And so it's just just doing the frantic mom worry and trying to control everything yes. kind of situation. So four hours later, these tests aren't still done. Then they uh, want me to have an ultrasound. And after that ultrasound, a nurse comes into the room and says, um, and now I'm going to walk you over to labor and delivery. You're not going home. Oh. And so... I mean, here I am in a hospital, they're taking care of me, everything is fine, but regardless, I burst into tears at that moment because it was just not what I had mm-hmm. planned for that day. So she allowed me to collect myself and send some texts and contact David and make yeah. sure that someone was going to pick my kids up from school and finally get a hold of my parents-in-law to look after the other little girls. And um, after all of that was finished, walked over to labor and delivery and... Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Three hours later, Leo was in our arms. And even though, like I said, I was annoyed at each of those steps. I was like, why can't I just go home? Why is nobody letting me eat lunch? Why is this taking so long? Who is looking after my kids? All those worries. Yeah. When I look back on it, I realized everything was taken care of. Mm-hmm. All those things I was worried about, my legitimate concerns from earlier about who's going to look after my kids, how are we going to get them there, how are we going to get to the hospital time, that all happened. Mm-hmm. Everything was taken care of. And it wasn't in the way that I wanted it to be. It wasn't the way that I had imagined the picture, the scenario I had created in my head. But it was done. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but more so, like, what I felt God was telling me through that experience, through that day, and also when I looked back at moments in my pregnancy, He was giving me more opportunities to rest than I would normally allow myself to because I was a busy mom of five right. kids, then now six. Yes. There's always something to do, always something to pick up, always mm-hmm. a lesson to be taught, always mm-hmm. some place to go. And so I don't often give myself those moments to sit down. But as I've been told from doctors, <laughs> as a mom of an advanced maternal age, <laughs> yes. um, they had some concerns and extra tests and just things they were looking out for in me. And the result of that was I needed to rest. And... Mm-hmm. In the end, all those things turned out to be nothing, but what it allowed me to do, what it gave me permission to do, and that's a big deal for me, <laughs> was to just take those moments and sit down mm-hmm. and maybe mother from the couch more than I would have liked to. Mm-hmm. But in those ways, I could see God's love for me saying, just sit down, just rest. It's okay. It's going to be taken care of. And now that we've had baby Leo and these post 
days of birthing a child and just trying to figure out, again, how to look after a newborn baby while handling other kids, I've also experienced the most amount of care, I feel like, than I have in any other pregnancy. The most meals delivered, the most offers of help, Mm. the most concern from friends and family than I've ever had before. And it should be chaos around here, and sometimes it is, Mm -hmm. but not as much as I expected (laughs) because I've just been so blessed with people loving me and God taking care of me. So it doesn't look like how I imagined, but it's definitely there. Um, Yeah, and it's just giving me lots more moments to sit and stare at my baby, and that's exactly what I want. (laughs) Yeah, that's. I'm so glad that that's your lesson this month because that's such a hard lesson to trust. Because we, you're, I'm like you. Like I know that I'm being taken care of, but I want to know how. (laughs) And God's like, you don't need to know. Yeah, I I can approve it. Yes, exactly. So I can prepare for the plan that you how you're going to take care of me. He's like, no, just trust. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, good. So I hope that reaches some moms out there who are rushing around and especially during as we approach Advent and Christmas and busy, a busy, very busy season to just rest and enjoy it. And, you know, God might not do your Christmas shopping for you, but somehow it will all get done and it will be way more enjoyable if you just take those moments to sit and stare at your babies. Amen. Sit and stare at your babies. (laughs) Don't feed them. They won't Just starve. Stare at them. Just stare at them. <laughs> <laughs> they don't need baths or cleanups. Okay. Well, that will ha- you do that too. Don't neglect your kids, but you know, stare at them. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you for that lesson. Uh, and uh, again, congratulations on the birth of Leo. Leo John Paul. Yes. He's pretty awesome. Very cool, and I look forward to meeting him in person. Mm-hmm. He's he says the same of you. Yes. Jillian Cantor, the producer of the Salt and Light TV program, Mothering Full of Grace, and the writer of A Woman's Voice, and she's the wife of David and the mother of Joseph, Henry, Annie, Clara, Jane, and Leo. Hello, this is Danielle Rose, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. You want to contact us? Email radio at saltandlighttv.org. You can look for me, Deacon Pedro, on Facebook, also on Twitter at Deacon Pedro GM, or you can leave a direct voice message right off our webpage at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And now it's time for Church for Dummies with Billy Chan. Yes, I have a question. I know you have a question. (laughs) Yes, uh, I have a question. Um, You know, for church... There's a lot of name for church, like cathedral, basilica, church, and also chapel. Now, my question is not about About the difference between this. Good, because I don't know the answer. The reason (laughs) I ask is because of, oh, there are a lot of different names, so there must be a minimum requirement for a church. So, for example, if you walk into a church, um, is there any, like, must-have furniture or must-have thing uh, in a church? Okay. Oh, in a Catholic uh, church, no. I, 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 I just say Okay, that. so what I would first is say that the requirement is not for the church, but rather for the Mass. Yes, So that's correct. the difference. So there are requirements that are needed for the Mass. Correct. And because the main activity that takes place in a church is the yes, Mass, then, then you can say that there are requirements. So, But they're very little. They're very few. Okay. I mean, the Mass, you need an altar. So a table. It could be a uh, table. A dining table. It could be a table. <laughs> okay. The table should have a cloth. Oh, yeah. So there should be, be an cloth. altar cloth. Oh, okay. 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 There should be two candles. Okay. Okay. And there should be a crucifix. 
Okay. Okay. So no matter how big is the crucifix, right? Uh, it doesn't have to be big. You can do sometimes you go and there's a little crucifix sitting on the altar. Yeah. And two little candles, an altar cloth. And then, of course, for the consecration, you need to have a little, a smaller cloth that's called a corporal. Okay. And that's where the consecration takes place, over the corporal. And then, of course, you need... The Eucharist. Uh, uh, the, the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. You need the host. Yeah. You need some plate or something to put the host in. That's yeah. usually called a paten. Paten. Where the, where the host goes. Okay. And then uh, you... Or a ciboria, if it's like a cup. Yeah, Where yeah, the yeah. little hosts go. Okay. A ciboria. Um, but it doesn't have... I mean, it can be anything. Okay. And then you need a chalice or a container for the wine. Okay. Chalice for the wine, a paten for the host. Once they're consecrated... Um, and, and you only need enough wine for the presider. You don't need wine for everybody. So oh. there's just enough wine for the presider, hosts for all the people that are participating, a corporal for the consecration, an altar cloth on top of the altar because you need an altar for the sacrifice. You do need two candles and you do need a crucifix. Do I need a building? Like um, um, a, a room or no. Uh, maybe people are going to, this is a good opportunity for people to write in and tell me that I'm wrong. Uh, you don't need a building. Okay. Uh, I think the church will say that it is appropriate to have it in a building and the building should be sacred. It should be consecrated or blessed. Mm -hmm. So all the churches are blessed. The altar should be consecrated. But I grew up, we'd have mass on the beach beach all the time or in a field. I mean, World Youth Day, the Pope says mass on a stage, you know, in front of 800,000 people. So, So those are extraordinary circumstances, but that means that it is possible. It's not required. The reason why I think the church would say that certain things should take place inside a church building. Like a wedding? Like a wedding. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's not because you can't have mass on the beach. Uh It's because people get confused with the way non-Catholics do things. So if if we have mass on the beach like everybody else, then people don't really see that there's a difference between a Catholic marriage and what everybody else is doing. So that's why most dioceses will say that a wedding should take place inside a church. But canonically, like legally, a wedding, a mass can be anywhere. You can be anywhere. I have mass at home. I thought your answer would be saying something like, something is more important has to be covered. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, yeah. The, the thing, that, that, but, the, but to go back to that, yeah. what, that comment that it's covered, it's sacred. Yeah, sacred, um, yes. So, but God is not limited to sanctifying things that are inside a building or inside a church. God can sanctify anything anywhere. So, but to go back to the original question, uh, there should be a place also for the presider, the priest to sit. Oh, yeah. To sit. yeah. And there should be a place f- from where the word is proclaimed. Oh, so the readings, podium. A, a podium, and mm. it's called an ambo. Ambo. But again... I've been at masses in my house. I've been at masses mm-hmm. in other people's homes or on the beach, and the word can be proclaimed anywhere. I mean, it's not wrong, uh, but it's not maybe the most. Uh, uh, it's not the the most. The church is not going to suggest that that's okay to do all the time. Thank you. All right. So yes. there we go. Write to us if you have other thoughts as to what I've said here to Billy, and maybe you can help us out. Radio at saltandlighttv.org or contact him at B Joe Chan. Coming up in our second half hour, a new Native American saint and a featured chat with Amanda Vernon about how God can wreck your romance. So stay tuned.
Hello, and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour, Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. I'm sure that most of you are familiar with St. Kateri Tekakwitha, or Kateri Tekakwitha, as some, sometimes she is called, the first female North American native to be declared a saint. The first North American native male to be declared a saint is St. Juan Diego from Mexico, because Mexico is uh, also part of North America. But now there could be another North American native saint. This one from South Dakota, from the Lakota Nation. And that is Nicholas Black Elk. And to tell us more, I am joined by Damien Costello. He's the author of Black Elk, Colonialism and Lakota Catholicism. Damien, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you for having me. It's so good to hear about, um, when I first heard about this cause, um, just because I, I had a chance to, to work on a documentary on, on well, she wasn't saint at the time, but Kateri Tekakwitha. So this whole intersection between Catholicism and Native spirituality is such an interesting topic. But before we get into all of that, can you tell us a little bit about Nicholas Black Elk? Who, who was he before he converted to Catholicism? Nicholas Black Elk um, was famous uh, in his own right uh, before... Not before he, he converted to Catholicism, um, but for his life before he converted. Um, okay. He was at the Battle of Little Bighorn. He was about uh, 12 years old at the time, and he participated in that. Uh, he fled to Canada with Sitting Bull. He, yeah. he toured Europe with Buffalo Bill Cody for about three years, uh-huh. and then he came back. He was in the Ghost Dance and also fought in the aftermath of Wounded Knee. Right. And most people would have heard of him through the famous book, Black Elk Speaks, which details right. his life up to Wounded Knee. Uh, the most important thing being the great vision he had when he was about nine years old. Okay, tell me about that. Well, when he was nine years old, he uh, was traveling with his people. They were following the buffalo, and uh, they stopped to get a drink, and he collapsed. He, he was sick. They set up camp and brought him to the teepee, and uh, he ended up being unconscious for 12 days um, right and during this time he remembers being brought up to the sky by by two men um and he saw you know the whole lakota spiritual world you know all the horse nations from the four directions he went to the the cloud teepee of the six grandfathers which represent the six sacred directions um and he brought his people down a journey. He was given gifts. He was given the power to destroy, the power to heal. And he was given this calling to uh, walk the people down the sacred red road, hmm. the holy red road, which is, you know, symbolic of a good way of blessing. You know, right. talk about the way in Christianity. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so, anyway, he, he went back. He was sent back to his people. And his whole life, he was trying to figure out, how do I follow this calling, this calling to bring the people down the red road so that the tree could bloom. Interesting. So why did he, why did he convert to Catholicism? Well, so he, as he's um, discerning what this call meant, uh, he avoided it for about eight years. He didn't really understand it. And it's a big calling to receive a a vision. Uh, We see that in biblical tradition, but also in native tradition. Um, to work with the spirits is a very difficult job and requires oftentimes great suffering. So yeah. he avoided it. Um, he finally gave in. Um, and he, there was always this sense that it was more than just being a healer, like healing individual people. There was this sense that he was going to renew his nation, but also 
humankind as a whole. And so he was always discerning, trying to figure out, well, there's something more, what is it? Uh, when he was in Europe, he, he went there. Um, it was a job where you could perform, inhabit your native culture, tour, tour the world, and make a salary. You, know, you couldn't do this at the time as you were being settled on reservations. Right. And he also said, I was going to investigate um, the European world, the white man's world, and see, was there anything of value you know, obviously these people, they conquered us. Um, they say they are really great and do things better than us. Well, let's let's figure this out. And so he investigated this for three years, and, and he wrote back, um, both from Europe, but then when he returned, saying, the only thing I could find was this teaching about God. Huh. And he quoted um, 1 Corinthians 13, which is Paul's great exhortation on love. Yeah. And so he... He was attracted to Christianity, and in the ghost dance, which was, uh, you know, a religious movement that was mm-hmm. significantly influenced by Christianity. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the the main figure is the Messiah. Mm-hmm. Um, Black Elk participated and had a vision of Christ. Interesting. And so, this quote unquote conversion um, grew out of a very native context. You know, right. he, he embraced Christian teachings and learned about them and, and sought them out before he ever encountered missionaries right. in a Native context. And Interesting. So from one perspective, which is mine, uh-huh. um, his, his baptism into the Catholic Church was a continuation of his vision, and um, part of what, what we could say was the indigenous discovery of Christianity. You know, we talk about a lot of times yeah. uh, missionary efforts to yes. convert indigenous people. A lot of times they're seeking it out in certain ways themselves, and they appropriate it in ways that missionaries right. and outsiders don't always expect. Yeah, and I think that that's, you know, some of our listeners might be thinking, you know, this is all a little strange and because they don't know how that can work. Because um, you would say, I think, would you say that, that his Lakota spirituality informs or helps his Catholicism or his Catholicism completes his Lakota spirituality and maybe even ours? Does that make sense? Well, that is, um, I think, the main question. And I think what his sainthood offers uh, was, you know, a really fruitful part of his potential sainthood. Yeah. Um, so missionaries tended to be a little bit too heavy-handed in the claim that Jesus fulfills native spirituality. I mean, I think as believing Christians, we always have to believe that on some level, Yeah. Uh, but it, it, it could come off as paternalistic, yes. uh, especially yes. in mission schools and yes. things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that was true for, for Black Elk uh, and a lot of people who became Christian, such as uh, St. Kateri. Yes. Um, but also, with Black Elk, we see the first Native saint who inhabited his Native spirituality uh, in a holistic way, and that continued to inform his Catholic life. Uh-huh. You know, he, was, he was big in sort of revitalizing the teachings that he thought were still relevant. You know, um, one thing that happens as, as new Christians enter the Church, they bring their old traditions, right. but they read them in light of Christ and yeah. light of, of yeah. um, the Gospel, and so they are renewed as well, and the parts that are not consistent with the Gospel are um, mm-hmm. left aside or reinterpreted, and so that's what he did. And yeah. there is this a, a very profound richness that I think a lot of us modern people are yearning for. Mm-hmm. Um, we hear that in the teachings of Pope Francis, you know, urging us to look at creation in a new way. Yeah. Um, 
And this is something that black elk offers us. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I think that's so true. That I mean, if there's truth, anything that is true that it, that is found in other spiritual traditions or other faiths, it, it's obviously it's true. It it, it can be it, it deepens our understanding of that same truth that we might also find in, in Christianity. Um, if he was to be canonized, what do you think he would be patron of? Well, the more I think about Nicholas Black Elk, you know, I discovered him. Long before I knew he was Catholic, I was interested in his life um, throughout, you know, the the quote-unquote Indian Wars. Yeah. Um, And he experienced all of the worst that the modern world has to offer. I mean, certainly there's wonderful things the modern world offers, but Hmm. um, the whole Lakota world, indigenous world, uh, didn't just collapse, it was torn down, Hmm. and people had to find a new way to live. In, in the New World. And Black Elk, and others too, but particularly Black Elk, did it uh, with incredible grace, um, the emphasis, emphasis on reconciliation and healing. Huh. Um, you know, he really lived the, the theological virtues, faith, hope, and charity um, in an incredibly trying context. Right. And, you know, you think about the challenges that we face, you know, um, there's sort of a broad spectrum of how people feel about environmental issues, mm-hmm. you know, what the future holds, um, geopolitical problems. But there's a real sense that we're on an edge for many different reasons. Uh-huh. And it's easy to despair. And I think that, you know, a St. Nicholas Black Elk would be an incredible witness for us to step boldly into the future and, you know, with faith, hope, and love that. Hmm. Our God saves us, He's with us, He suffered with us, and that ultimately uh, He will make all things new. Hmm. It's almost like a patron of hope, in a way. Yes. You could say that. Um, it's it's fascinating. I'm sure that if people want to find us, certainly uh, listeners in the Midwest, and if they're in South Dakota, definitely they, maybe they've already heard about Black Elk, or if they want to find out more, um, they can go to the to the uh, Diocese of Rapid City, South Dakota, to the website, and there's information there. The only thing I would add is that, you know, sainthood, the cause for sainthood, depends on the faith of the people. Yes. You no, know, it, it depends on the life of this person, their witness touching you and affecting you. So if you want to be part of this, research this, pray, pray to and for Nicholas Black Elk and, and see what happens in your life. Yes, absolutely. Good, uh, mm-hmm. good advice for all of us. Damien, thank you for bringing this story to us and for sharing a little bit about uh, this great man that clearly touched you and, and through you it's, mm-hmm. is hopefully going to touch a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. Damien Costello, he is the author of Black Elk, Colonialism and Lakota Catholicism, published by Orbis. And as I said, you want to find out more about the cause for canonization for Black Elk, go to the website of the Diocese of Rapid City in South Dakota. Here now is our featured Artist of the Week, Amanda Vernon, with Tu Secreto, which means Your Secret, from her new Christmas album, Secretos Navideños. Yo sé Tu secreto Esconderlo Tus acciones Lo revelan 
Pensabas que no me daría cuenta Bien lo sabes que no soy ciega That was Amanda Vernon with Tu Secreto from her new Christmas album, Secretos Navideños. When God Wrecks Your Romance is a story of two kids who fall in love with each other as teenagers, but ultimately do not end up together. It's pretty much the opposite of a fairy tale and Hollywood ending, but it certainly is a happy ending. The book is co-authored by those uh, Two now grown-up teens, Amanda Vernon and Holy Cross father Matt Face. Yep. Now you know why that romance ended. <laughs> Amanda Vernon is now a wife and mother and a successful singer-songwriter. She's been on this program several times, and so she joins us now to tell us how God wrecked her romance and also to tell us about her new Spanish Christmas album, Secretos Navideños, that we've been listening to. Amanda, welcome back to the Salt and Light Hour. 
thank you, Deacon Pedro. Great to be back. Thanks for hosting me and it, for the warm welcome. Yeah, it was so hard to. I was like, how can I do that introduction without giving away the ending? But I mean, people know people know <laughs> the ending. It's like the book is co-authored by a priest. I mean, really. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, really. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, so, yeah, so, so I think we know the story. So the whole point is not about knowing the end of the story. I mean, right. I mean Matt is now Father Matt and you're married to mm-hmm. someone else. Um, exactly. So, Happily. but I was intrigued by, and I think you might have said this to me, or maybe it's, it's on your website, that this is actually mm-hmm. a fairly common storyline. And I think, I mean, I know a lot of priests that talk about girlfriends they had or even engagements mm-hmm. that they had. So why... Why write a book about it? Right. Yeah, we like to say that our story is not unique. I mean, ask any any priest or any woman who has yeah. fallen for a guy who ends up joining the seminary. Yeah. What is unique is that we are telling the details of how this happened. Okay. And the reason we're telling him, I mean, ultimately, we do feel God is calling us to share our stories to glorify him we've seen so much joy and surprise in in those who hear how God's providence has played out in our lives. Yeah. And uh, I think it's a pretty countercultural idea to realize that our maybe our first inclination or our first idea about sort of romantic feelings isn't isn't necessarily the way that God <laughs> wants to lead us, you know, just no. because we have excitement about somebody we first meet or even when we were young we fall in love that really it's god's plan that's going to bring us the ultimate happiness that we're searching for and i think that message is one that especially teens and young adults are just craving to hear and and father matt and i both believe along with my family and with his community yeah. of the holy cross that yes. it's a story worth telling uh, so would you say it's a story about vocational discernment <laughs> You know, it's <laughs> that's part of it. Vocational discernment is absolutely part of our yeah. story, but really, this is this is simply a love story. But it's it's one that God has written. It's bigger right. than the two of us. Yeah, it's it's a story about how my family and his community are are living the love that God is calling us to, yeah. and it's there's a little bit of tension, a, a lot of bit of tension actually. Yeah, <laughs> telling a story like this because it's, it's unexpected because as you said like you know priests who have yeah. had a girlfriend before they entered seminary like they have their story but they don't usually go around talking no about they it certainly publicly. not no <laughs> yeah. no no and even for you i mean i think of yeah so your husband david you having this conversation mm-hmm. with david about this mm-hmm. former boyfriend you had you know like mm-hmm. i don't have those conversations with my wife either right 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 exactly and i i really do believe that David's openness to this story is the reason we're able to share it. I mean, certainly Holy Cross as well, but for David in particular, this is, I mean, it's a sacrifice that he's chosen to accept because he does believe God is calling us to share this story, and that's fruit in sharing it. And ultimately because our marriage is that strong in his yes security in the Lord's call of our marriage. Yes. Um, but that's really, I think, the difference of why we're able to speak about this so publicly. How can I, oh, I suppose it's all in the book, but uh, <laughs> I was going to say, is it personal? But I'm sure it's not personal because it's in the book. Um, how, because you, you and Matt were dating when you were teenagers, 
How long after well, you? We, or yeah, tell yeah. <laughs> yeah, technically we weren't dating, so we were, we were never officially oh, okay. girlfriend. Yeah, but that's yes, that is part of the story. Which your listeners can actually they can order it now. It's available to the public at at my website yes. amandavernon.com. That the ebook you can download immediately, right. or the audio book. In fact, both Father Matt and I narrated the audiobook so you hear the story first from my perspective and then the next chapter is his perspective uh, yes. and we're telling it from our firsthand yes experience so would you say if you weren't i mean that you were together because it's a romance but it's a romance you use the word it's a bigger comedy. yes it is <laughs> no and i love because yeah. even how you explain the title i mean you you romance is much bigger than this uh, this you know two people <laughs> falling in love Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, there's we use the definition of romance, the the feeling of mystery and excitement associated with love. And yes. and I think a lot of because I'm an artist, you know, I, you you and I have been in touch for a long time. Do you Pedro? What as I'm sharing my music, and that's how I relate with the world with God. Like I'm a romantic, right? I yes. look at the world and say, "Whoa, this is mysterious and exciting." Yes. And and love is so big. I mean, God's love for us is so. In, in one sense, it's so romantic, it's so mysterious, it's so exciting. And yes. to see that playing out in our relationships is sometimes very messy. But it's when when we live it in God's will, it's just so yes. wonderful and, and so joyful. Yes, and I think that, that if I, because I, I want people to go and get the book, so we're going to stop talking about it, but if, that, that, okay. if, <laughs> in, if people don't get anything except in the fact that God wants love for you and he wants, if we can say romance for you, it might be the priesthood, it might be the single life, it might be marriage, but that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that they're that that you're called to a life without love because we're all called for love. So if you want to find out more on how that works, get the book, amandavernon.com. Um, tell me a little bit about this 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 uh, Christmas album, Secretos Navideños, mm-hmm. Christmas Secrets, Why Christmas and and Why Spanish? I mean, I'm thrilled sure. because I, I love Spanish, yeah. but why? why well, cri- yeah. I, I recorded this album... In the midst of a significant illness, I, I had postpartum for 19 months. Yes. And I continued my career supporting my family through my music. I was writing the book at the same time. There's just a lot happening yes. in my life. And, and yet I wanted to continue releasing new music. So I prayed about how can I release music in a way that is really soothing <laughs> to me, mm-hmm. that is adding only sort of comfort and not any more sort of strain. And what seemed the most comforting was, was Christmas music and Advent music, because I just love this time of year, and this music is so comforting to me. Yeah. But then also to, to release an album in Spanish, I just, I just again, talking about romance, like the, just the language is just so yeah. romantic yeah. And, and so just beautiful, even the sounds of the words themselves. So to be able to release my first album, Because Not Again, you in Spanish at Christmas time, uh, just, that just soothes my soul, and I hope that it brings that same sense of comfort to your listeners as well. Yeah, absolutely. And it's 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 great because I'm always looking for new Christmas music. I mean, certainly for the program, but also just at home. I have like every year I like my Christmas collection just gets bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and there's a lot of the same things. And there isn't a lot of stuff that I have in Spanish. Um, so mm-hmm. it's it's refreshing to hear some of the songs that we might be familiar with, but in a different language, a different arrangement. But there's also some really interesting uh, new things that you've added in there. Um What's new for you? 
What's coming down? Because I know that you're always busy with something. So don't tell me right. you're sitting at home, <laughs> you know, playing with your children. What's <laughs> Well, there's that too. There's always that as the anchor, you know, my, my vocation. That's my, my steady rock in the Lord. Yeah. But we are, we're looking ahead at, at promoting this book. And I'm really excited about the potential of giving more parish missions uh, right. bilingual parish missions where I can share the Wonderful. story yeah. of the book and then include music in English and Spanish. I believe it's really a bridge between yeah. different cultures and different age groups that we're able to offer. So that's what I'm looking at in this upcoming year. Oh, well, there you go. If you need a Spanish, English speaking, Spanglish speaking deacon to help you, <laughs> you know where to find me. Hey, there you go. All right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, that's great. Um, uh, looking forward to that. So that's great. So this is uh, appealing to our Spanish speaking listeners and our English speaking listeners. There's music. There's a great story. There's, there's um, and I can speak from experience. Amanda does great parish uh, missions and parish uh, events. So if you're looking uh, for someone to come to your event or your parish, look no further, amandavernon.com. Amanda, thank you so much. Uh, that's all the time we have, but it's great to talk to you. I, 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 I love this, the book, and, of course, I love the music. Uh, so thank you for sharing it with us. Thank you. God bless. As I said, you can learn more about Amanda Vernon, about her music, and how to bring her to your event at her website, amandavernon.com. And that's also where you can find out how to get the book, When God Wrecks Your Romance. Here now is Amanda Vernon with Sleep with the Angels from her new Christmas album, Secretos Navideños. We're listening to Amanda Vernon with Sleep with the Angels from her new Christmas album, Secretos Navideños, and that will bring us to the end of the program this week. Remember that if you missed any part of this program, you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And that's also where we post links to our artists or guests. You can also download the Salt and Light Hour podcast off iTunes or the Google Play Store. You can contact us via email, radio at saltandlighttv.org or via Facebook or Twitter. Just look for Salt and Light TV. Yes. And you can also follow me on Twitter at Emmy Callen and Billy, of course, is at B. Joe Chan. I'm at Deacon Pedro GM and we're gearing up for the end of the year. And so coming up, Emily, in the next yes. few weeks, Steve Bell is going to be here, Rita West, also PJ Anderson and Matt Marr. They're all going to be on the Salt and Light Hour in the next couple of weeks. So you don't want to miss any of the next shows. Great lineup. Thank you for being with us today. I'm Emily Callen. And I'm Deacon Pedro. And this has been the, the Salt, Salt and Light, Light Hour. Hour.